Hey friend, welcome to your new favorite hangout. This is where we boldly share our stories and the wisdom that stems from them as a means of connection and celebration. We're no longer waiting for people to invite us into their space to share the messages that God has given us. We are creating our own. I'm your host and your homegirl, Rosalind Davis, and this is Creating Space, the podcast. Go ahead, make yourself comfortable, and let's dive into this week's episode. Welcome back. Welcome back to another episode of Creating Space, the podcast. Welcome, y'all. Today has been a really good day. Hope y'all are having a good day. Um, today's episode is going to be a little random, okay? Just a bunch of things that I've been thinking about and wanting to talk about. And if I can't bring them here to my own podcast, Creating Space, then where do they go? Okay. Our first one, our first topic today is small talk. I really hate small talk. I cannot get into it. It makes me sweat. It makes me nervous. It is just not my thing. Speaking I, of sweat, it was hot outside today. It was it? hot. It's been hot for like a few months now. It's very hot outside. And the small talk makes it even more hot all the time. I I went to a party, um, I guess it was a month ago now. I went to a party like a month ago and my friend was introducing like all of her friends. And when she got to me, she goes, this is Rosalind. She loves to get real deep, real fast. And she's just going to go there. And everyone starts laughing, and I was like, that is so true. Like, I want to just skip over, like, all the little pleasantries, and I want to skip over how you're doing, how's your day, and let's just get to, like, what keeps you up at night? What are you trying to heal from right now? I don't know why. I just, I I love it. And so because I'm this way, um, I don't know many people who are. And so whenever I go into like social settings or I'm meeting new people, I get very nervous because I'm like, oh my gosh, people are going to ask me like why I think about the weather and do I watch this show? And I probably don't watch this show. And I just want to like get to know people and have like really deep conversations all the time. And so I, I what I've learned about myself lately is it's because like I notice things that most people don't. I can pick up on things that a lot of people don't. I am gifted in that way with like with discernment that I can go into a space and sense like this person's experiencing that, they're experiencing this. And so I don't want to talk about my shoes today. I want to talk about how can we help you not be sad when you leave here. And so because I see things that way, like having to talk about surface level things is just very frustrating to me because I'm like, we're wasting time when we could be getting to the to the bigger things here. And so I've noticed in the more, like I would say literally the past couple of weeks, I think that could possibly make me come off as like standoffish or um, not stuck up, but like not friendly because I honestly like don't, really know how to even like engage in small talk. So instead of risking that it's going to be awkward and that I'm going to like stutter or something, I just rather not engage. And so I'm saying this because there was, I was somewhere recently 
And there was a girl there that I talked to on Instagram um, quite often. We have good conversation on Instagram because on Instagram, there's really no small talk. It's like, I posted this story, you're responding to it, and now we're like diving into this thing, right? And so on Instagram, we have like a very, I would say like deep conversation. Um, And then I saw her at this place and we was like, hey girl, and gave her a hug. And it was like, hey. And then after that, it was like, Okay. And it was because I wanted to just go there, like dive back into what we're talking about on Instagram. But I didn't like, I didn't know how that would be perceived. I didn't know if it would be like, okay, like you're getting real deep right now. I just said hi. So I just went back to what I was doing. And so I, I, after that situation, I got in my car and I was thinking about it. And I was like, I like talking to her. I like talking about like, things with her. Why did I do that? Like, why did, why did I literally walk away and not continue the conversation? And it was because I knew that if I said anything past, you know, our hug and hi, it was going to be a small talk conversation that I would feel awkward having or that I don't know how to do. So then I just went back to myself. So then let me wonder how often does that happen? Like, I know there's more times that I want to approach people, but I'm like, if I approach them, I have something very specific that I want to ask. And I don't want to have to like intro it with like a, how are you doing? So I don't engage. And so I was curious, um, like, how do other people perceive that? Like, do people see someone like me and be like, oh, she's probably in her corner, like thinking and being really deep right now. Or are they like, wow, she's standoffish. I'm curious. So if any of y'all are similar to me, I want to know your experience. I saw this video yesterday from um, Jackie Hill Perry. She, for those of you who don't know her, get to know her, please come on, get your life together. Um, I will link her content down in the, what's the thing? The show notes, description, all that stuff. Um, Jackie Hill Perry is a teacher, poet, MC. She's great. She is uh, on tour right now with a a conference called Glory, and it was the end of the um the conference, and people are like praising, they're worshiping. There's a, a shout happening, and Jackie literally just sits on the stairs and she's like watching everyone, you know, have a good time. And she, I, what was the caption? It was like. Oh, I should have sent you the link to it, Solomon. It was like when you're when you have social anxiety, with their shouting happening, something like that. Um, and so, for people who don't know Jackie or that she deals with social anxiety, they might see her and be like, "Wow, she's not in the spirit," or "Wow, she's so like you know standoffish." But it's like a real a real thing. Social anxiety can be like it could be um, paralyzing to where you are so nervous about engaging, you just don't do anything. Or um, it could lead you to like vices. So when I was in college, I was so nervous about being around other people that whenever I went somewhere, I had to have at least a shot before I talked to anyone. Um, And most times it was like two shots and then a drink and then now I can talk to you because I was just so nervous. I was nervous like about what I had on and what's everyone thinking about what I have on and did I brush my teeth and 
well, I probably did brush my teeth, but I was just thinking like, what's everyone thinking about me while I'm in this space right now? And so I would, um, yeah, so I would drink to like make myself uh, like calm down and not care as much now that I don't do that. I mean, I still drink, but I don't drink like for coping reasons. Um, Now that I don't do that, I'm just awkward when I'm in space. Solomon, I see you're you're on the mic, friend. I'm just laughing. Why are you laughing? Because I, I'm, I'm just trying to figure out how it turned into like a shot and then two shots and then a drink and then you could talk, right? Like, yeah. But again, you're talking to somebody I've never had a drink like ever. Oh, so I, you know, so, so you're missing like a lot of. For, well, I don't know. Not that missing, I, but I mean, no. So I didn't mean missing out. I mean, like, so you're not understanding what I'm saying at all. Well, no, I understand. Okay, because you know, my wife compensates, but okay. You know. But um, <laughs> but it's just interesting you you mentioned that because one thing people could know about should know about social anxiety is it's not always something that is constant. Yes. Like so for me, I can get up and speak in front of a thousand people, and then I can go and shake hands. But at some point, I gotta go run to my corner. I gotta go recharge. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, yeah. And I gotta be by myself, and I just want to go to the movies. And I don't want to talk to anybody. Yeah. And then I you know, but some people can just have it on all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not me. Yeah. So, it can come and go. Yeah, you know. definitely. That's true. I remember a couple of years ago, um, my husband and I went to his friend's birthday party. And it was my first time meeting like all his friends because, again, we got married during COVID. So there was not a lot of like co-mingling of our lives. And so we went to this party and I met all of his friends. And I was like having a good time for the first 90 minutes. And then I was like, oh, my God, we're outside. There's people here. People are talking to me. And I literally went in the car and sat in the car for like 30 minutes. No, I told him I was going to move the car because we parked far. And then I ended up just staying in the car. And he was like, are you okay? And I was like, no, it's time to go. I just, I just, like my social battery is very, very low. And I think when I tell people that, they're really surprised like to learn that about me because I'm like I, I outgoing, I guess you would say. But again, it goes back to like, because I don't experience being outside in the same way that other people do, it's very taxing on me to be around um, a lot of people for a certain amount of time, unless they are people like me, like my sister that I have here in the studio with me, hello, Raven, who like to go deep as well. Now that right there, that's a good time. If I'm with people who like to go deep real fast, I could spend hours. I think what I'm hearing as I'm talking out loud with y'all is that it depends on how I'm spending my time. Um, When I have to like be on and like not fake it, but like perform more than I just have to just be, that I can't do for a long time. You got a good hour, hour, 15 minutes out of me. And then I just need to do this, sit down and put on my real voice. (laughs) Be still. Yeah. (laughs) Wait, can you explain what that was from? No, I mean, it was, (laughs) we were having this conversation earlier. um, And I told them that I heard that from Michelle Obama when they were asking what they're going to do after the presidency. And she says, we're just going to go somewhere and be still. And I was explaining to (laughs) to them that I hadn't heard that term in that context before. And, you know, I said, that probably sounds like some kind of Southern thing. It's a very black thing to say. Yeah. Yeah. And I just hadn't heard in that context. So I remember it just stuck with me. So yeah, that's I like it. That's funny. Okay. Our next random topic for today. 
is y'all need to stop cutting up in these celebrities' comments sections, okay? The things that I see, and so I, I, I'm just blown away. Like, where do I even start with this? I truly feel like social media has caused some of us to strip people of their humanity. I feel like if, I don't even know how to say this, but I see some comments in celebrities' conversations where I'm like, if that was your brother, you would not say that. If that boy was in your high school class, you would not say that. But because this person, um, you have them on a pedestal or because you're only engaging with them like through a screen, you feel like you say anything to them. And that is just not the case. And I'm saying this because I think I shared in a previous episode that I used to work like in the music industry. And so a lot, not a lot, but a handful um, of celebrities, like I've heard them share that like comments, not that it, it gets to them, but they they can see the comments. They can read them. Um, and they're human beings as well. No matter um, how far removed you are from them, no matter how much more money they may have than us, they are people. And so one of the things I think is really, really interesting is like comments on Christian, like on affluential Christian people's uh, content. It's like everyone wants to be the judge in the comments. And if I, and this, correct me if I'm wrong, in, in, in my, my sacred text, in my Bible, there is one ultimate judge. And it's not you, and it's not me, and it's not you and your homegirls. And so I just really want us all to like have more grace for people, especially if we are someone who is like claiming that we are um, that we are a believer. We are called to be set apart. We're called to be different. We are called to love like to a higher like extent than most people do. And a lot of y'all comments are not reflecting love. It's giving judgment. It's giving condemnation. It's giving, it's rude and disrespectful. I need y'all to relax. And this is not to say that the Bible does say, you know, you can uh, uh, ins- uh, like know a, a fruit um, by, know a tree by its fruit, excuse me. And I heard Tim Ross explain this very beautifully one day. He was saying that, um, uh, like categorizing, not categorizing, what's, not not judgment. I can't find the word right now, but um, I guess describing someone um, by their behavior, by their fruit is different than like judging them. And by fruit, I mean like their, their actions. Um, Tim Ross said that judging speaks to like um, and eternal sentence where uh, observing someone's fruit is just that, just an observation. Like, this is what you're putting in front of me right now. This is what I see. And so I need y'all to stop judging people because you're judging someone from what you can see on a reality show or on Instagram. 
And you're comfortable doing that because we can't see your dirt. Your your dirt is in your own home. It's in your own car. It's on your job. And I just want us all to think about if people could see the things that we do behind closed doors, what kind of comments would we have? Right? Wouldn't we want some grace? Wouldn't we want someone to ask us if we're okay? Wouldn't we want some prayer maybe? Um, So yeah, the next time y'all want to like leave a judgy comment, just don't. Just don't. Just pray. Just love. And I'm saying this because even so there's some times where I will like read comments and I feel the urge to comment. And I'm like, that isn't my ministry. My, I'm not here to like correct people um, on interpretation. I'm not here to correct people on like how they're living. Like literally, what would my comment do? Probably nothing. Um, if anything, it would make them, like, I don't know what it would do. Honestly, there's really no point. Oh, we know what it would do. What would it do? <laughs> it would get people then attacking you. It, and that too. Because you're, you're admonishing somebody in a public forum. And that too. Right. And so I just like the mindset of, well, I'm not going to say that, but when I see these comments in these celebrity sections, excuse me, I'm just really curious of like, what was your intention? Why did you do this? So for another example is there is this, um, also like this, mm, I wouldn't call it obsession, but there's like a, a, a rising right now of people wanting to, uh, call certain like pastors online, like false prophets and all types of things. And so people are making like 20, 30-minute videos explaining why this particular person is like a false prophet, don't listen to them, et cetera. Fine. Like, if that is true, right, that person is doing what they're supposed to do. Like, the word tells us there's going to be false prophets. They're doing what they're supposed to do. Is you making this 30-minute video the best use of your time? Could you also be praying that the people who are under this false prophet could have increased discernment and have increased wisdom so they're not being misled. I just don't think that we're really using our time wisely. And so then that leads me to the question of like, what is the intention here? Was the intention really to like help people be awakened or is it so that you could have like views and people could listen to what you have? I don't know. I don't know. I'm just, the comments have really been irritating me lately, and I want to talk about it because this is my podcast, and I'm talking about it. I like that. <laughs> yeah, just remember that the the currency of social media is likes, likes and follows. Yeah. And so a lot of the things that people do are, are for that. There really is no other reasoning behind that. I mean, celebrities know that the price of celebrity is scrutiny. You mm-hmm. know, that's just okay. how it is. And so there's an expectation that you're going to get people who do that. So then... Combine that now with people who are trying to get likes and become more popular, they're going to say outlandish things, whether they mean it or not. And so, yeah, it ends up being that. But I think most people in that position know not to take it personally because, I mean, that person has no credibility. And it's funny you say, don't judge people. I always add something to that. I I feel like you have a right to judge your family. Why do you say that? I just, I, <laughs> I just think you should. I, I, if, I've if never you heard can that. If you judge anybody, I should be able to judge my family. <laughs> <damn it. laughs> 
And so, yeah, I, I'll judge my brothers and sisters. I won't judge anybody else. So. <laughs> well, that's Solomon's uh, advice for today, y'all. All right. It's time for, uh, for we time. Wisdom and encouragement. Today's question is, how do you approach vulnerability with a partner when you have a fear of rejection? That's a very good question. Um, but I, I first want us to think about what we mean when we say uh, rejection. Because um, obviously it has a definition, right? But I also think that like other words that are popular in therapy and in the healing space, sometimes they're used like so much that they become watered down or they kind of lose the definition. And so before I answer the question, I just want to say that someone having a response to you that's not ideal or that you weren't expecting or that you don't agree with does not mean they're rejecting you. So I just like want to preface that before I answer the question. Um, so how do you approach vulnerability when you have a fear of rejection? I think the first thing is to acknowledge that as, as much of a chance that there is that we'll be rejected, there's also the same amount of chance that we will be accepted. But we don't know that unless we put something out there to be uh, accepted or not. And um, it's kind of like the same way that I always say, like there's no way to um, trust someone but to trust them. Like you can't try it out. You can't test it. It's either you do or you don't. Uh, I think vulnerability uh, works the same way. You either like you're doing it or you're not doing it. And I think the first step to getting there is realizing that I can never be fully seen and fully accepted if I don't offer up like my actual full self that I want to be seen and accepted. And so um, it's it's definitely scary. But when you have the thought in mind of like this could actually go well, I think that can be a motivator um, to continue doing it. And I also would add that it's like a it's like a muscle that you have to exercise. You um, maybe you start, you know, being vulnerable with uh, with close friends first, and then maybe you kind of branch out to like your parents. And so now it's like, okay, you have something big that you want to tell your partner, but because you've already practiced in these other spaces, it may feel easier for you to share in this space. And another, I mean, okay, I have a story because everything's a story here. Um, this is what I was waiting for. Oh, I, I was going to ask you for some context on this. Why? Well, because I mean, this is this is uh, pretty broad. You know, when you say vulnerability with a partner, fear of rejection. I was trying to understand what's a what's a potential situation or scenario. Okay. So if you got a story, that's going to answer. I'm always have a story for us. Okay. Okay. So when I was first uh, dating my husband, I was going through a really like, I don't think I'm always having an emotional time, but <laughs> I was going through like an emotional time. I was trying to finish college. It was taking forever, longer than I wanted to take. All my friends uh, were off to like their grad programs or their jobs, whatever. And I was just, I was having a rough time. 
And so we were, we were long distance, my husband and I, and pause here. My stories will almost always revolve around him because he, he's my biggest teacher. Like being in a relationship has taught me so much. Okay, back to the story. So I was having a hard time and I needed to tell him like that I was depressed. But I was nervous um, because he comes from a generation where mental health was like not, not that it wasn't a thing, but it wasn't like talked about so uh, like openly or consistently. And so I need to tell him and I had told like my friends who, who uh, my friends who were in Atlanta, I had told them like they all knew that I was struggling to finish school. I think one of my friends like spent the night with me at my house and she was like making sure I stayed awake to write my papers. Like, so my friends knew. Um, so I had practiced, you know, sharing this vulnerable thing in other places. And then finally, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, so yeah, I, I was nervous to tell him, tell him because he is not, I don't, I, I assumed that he had never had an experience with uh, depression, anxiety himself or knew anyone who did or had told them, told him that I did. So I just had all these assumptions of like, he's not going to understand and he's going to break up with me and it's going to, you know, all these things. And so it was, uh, I think it was actually snowing this day in Atlanta. Very rarely does it snow in Atlanta. But I told him, I was like, you know, like this thing is trying to take me out. I'm like sad all the time. I can't do my work. I know I need to do my work so I can graduate, but I just, I can't do it. I'm not going to be able to do it. Um, and so I told him kind of what was, you know, like, uh, making me feel this way that people were moving on. if like they're moving on without me. And I didn't know what I wanted to do, uh, after I finished school. And then I was like, and you have your career and you're established. And I was just like going on and on. And he, as I had assumed, he had not been with anyone before who, um, who was in therapy or who could express like, Hey, I'm feeling depressed. So admittedly, he was like, I don't know what to do with that information. He was like, I appreciate, you know, you telling me, um, and I can like, what can I do to help? And even though that wasn't the response that I like wanted, I would have wanted him to, I don't know what I would have wanted. I don't know. But I knew what he said wasn't what I wanted to hear. And so that wasn't him rejecting me. He wasn't like, oh, I can't be with you because you're depressed. He just didn't say what I felt was helpful in that moment. And I had to realize like, okay, he's not rejecting me, but he just didn't have at that at that time had the tools that I needed for him to help me like navigate through this thing. And so, um, I mean, fast forward, like now it's, he has plenty of tools because we've gone through many different phases where I needed his help in that situation. But um, that what that taught me in that moment was like, okay, I can tell him big things. I can tell him hard things and it may not always go like how I wasn't, how I would have wanted it, but it wasn't bad. That actually was like a learning moment for both of us of like, he was like, okay, I actually don't have the tools to help you. So now what do I need to do to get the tools that so next time this happens, like we both can like work through this thing. And so going back to like my original answer of, you know, someone having a less than ideal response isn't rejection. It could be a learning moment. It could be a growing moment for your relationship, um, for both of you to learn kind of what y'all need in case this thing um, happens again. 
And vulnerability is not to be like as big as, you know, some being depressed. It could even be something small of like, for me too, like I'm not comfortable with how I look right now. I don't like my weight or I want to get braces again. It can be like little seemingly small things, but as long as you're like, like I said before, using that muscle of expressing these things um, to your partner and giving them the opportunity to respond. One thing that I would advise against that I did was assuming what the response would be, whether you're assuming it's going to be super good and supportive or if you're assuming it's going to be bad, I think assuming either way, you could set yourself up for failure. So go into your share, just open-minded with the intention to literally just share and whatever, um, and whatever they say back, I think y'all, y'all, uh, can, can learn and can go from there. So to summarize, I'm reading the question again, <laughs> how do you approach vulnerability with the partner when you have a fear of rejection? Number one, Remember that there is as much chance of you being accepted as there is of you being rejected. You just have to put it out there. Um, number two, I think you approach it with the intention to just share, having no um, assumption or no or no excuse me or no pressure uh, for what the person's response is going to be. And then I think something I want to add there too. It's something that I used to do when I was younger, when I was sharing something um, that I felt was heavy. I was very manipulative back in the day. So I would kind of like add a little bit on it to make sure that the other person like felt bad for me or make sure that they, not make sure, but try to manipulate them into feeling bad for me or um, like try to elicit a certain response. Don't do that. That's not right. Why are you laughing at me so uh, <laughs> I can I can see you being manipulative. You have a you have a smile that can be considered <laughs> manipulative. It's just, you know, I'm delivered, you know, praise God. No, no longer. But can, can I add one th- one thing? Yeah. Um you you said there's just as much chance of 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 a yes than a as a no. I, I would actually argue that there's more of a chance of a yes. Because you prefaced it with the word partner, right? Mm, so that's someone's good. already your partner. It's good. It's all Chances in. are that they are going to understand, right? And then the, the other thing I wanted to point out is I think there is a difference. So with this, when you talk about genders, though, because, you know, coming from a woman's perspective, I can understand how that could be a potentially scary thing. But men, when men are vulnerable, uh, I, in a lot of ways, it's even worse because it's not our job to be vulnerable. We're not expected to be vulnerable. We're expected to be, you know, this stalwart person who doesn't need acknowledgement, who just sort of keeps going, who's always the rock. And I think women need to be, just have extra radar when, when they see that their husband is in a position of vulnerability and needs them to be understanding. Cause I think, you know, a lot of men anticipate a woman liking them less, loving them less, respecting them less if they show vulnerability. So that's something I think that women as partners should should really look out for that you know we we can't be strong all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. That's really good. Um something I want to add on to that there was two things. I lost the first one. It'll come back to me. Lord help me. The second thing was uh something that I heard recently from uh Preston Perry, who is the husband of Jackie Hill Perry that I mentioned earlier. Um he 
I would, they have a, a tour going on right now called We Need to Talk Tour. If it hasn't come to your city, look it up. We definitely should go. Um, so we were, I was there a few months ago and they were talking about this topic of like husbands um, sharing with their wives and being vulnerable and wives or wives, certain wives being like, oh, my husband doesn't tell me things. He doesn't open up to me. And it's like, well, are you a safe space for your husband to open up to you? I think this is something that I had to learn before I got married in previous relationships. I had a very nasty tongue, not like using curse words, but just the way that I speak can be very um, demeaning. It can be condescending. It can can cut you. Um, Again, I've been delivered. Thank you, Lord. But I had to realize like if I want a man to or anyone to feel comfortable sharing with me and opening up to me, um, how do I, how do I respond to them? Like, what is my body language like? What, what are my words like when I respond? Am I creating an experience that they feel they can come back to over and over again? And I think, um, this even would go for friendships. There have been friends in the past who I share something with them and they're like, oh girl, you need to da 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 da. And I'm like, okay, never telling you anything ever again. That's all I need to hear. And so, yeah, I, I think that to Solomon's point, um, wives especially, we all should examine, like, are we a safe space for our people to come to us when they are vulnerable, when they um, when they are needing help? And if we're not, is that something that we want to be? Because some of us don't really care. Some of us, we don't want to, and that's fine. Um, but if we do... How can we uh, make ourselves like more more approachable um, and more welcoming for when our folks need us? So that was a good point. Yeah, mm-hmm. and if you don't, just understand there's actions and consequences. So if you can't be that vulnerable space, someone else will be. Yeah, there's another point that you you said two things in your last your last add on. Oh, I can't remember. It's late, man. It was. I know it is. It's so late. It was so good though. Okay, I can't remember. Darn. Everybody else listening remembers right now. They're yelling. I know. So I'm going to listen to it and then I'll add it on next week again. Computers right now. All right. All right, y'all. That's all I have for us today. I just had some random things to talk about in this space that I created to talk about all the things. Thank you all for listening. And before we go, I want to ask you, what are you creating space for this week? Solomon. I would love to hear your answer oh to this my question. God. I know, I'm putting you on the spot. Um, okay, so define creating space. Like, does that mean like um, space for me to do something that I'm not normally doing? Or, mm-hmm. or, okay. It can mean lots of things. So if that's what you heard okay, this so, week, yes. So one of the struggles that I have as a as a small business owner, if anybody who runs your own business like you, you, you understand that there's always something that you could be doing to mm-hmm. better your business, right? And so it's very difficult sometimes, especially let's say sales are slow or whatever. It's very difficult to say, okay, I'm going to get up in the morning and I'm going to go work out or I'm going to have breakfast. Or I'm going to go do these normal things because you're always thinking, I need to get in. I need to get up yeah. back on the computer, you know? And so one of the things that I'm trying to create space for, I shouldn't say trying to, I'm creating space for <laughs> is I'm going to put these things in place because if I... If I had a nine to five job, then I would have these things in place. Mm-hmm. I would get up at 5 a.m. I'd go work That's out. Good. I'd ride my bike on the weekends, whatever the things I wanted to do. I'd have lunch with my wife on these certain days, whatever. I'm going to put those things in place regardless. Mm-hmm. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick to them. That's, that's what I'm creating space for. 
That's a great answer. Great answer, Solomon. <sighs> what am I creating space for? This week, I am creating space for friends. Uh, I think working and having a business and being a mom of two littles, um, I let like my exhaustion consume me, which sometimes is fine. I need to lay down. Other times, it's like it's a barrier to things that I actually want to do that would energize me and help me. So this week, I am making space to connect with friends. One of those ways being that I brought my sister with me to the studio today. Um, and I'm going to continue throughout the week to make more space to, uh, to be with my friends. So let me know what you're creating space for this week. And until next time, take care. Bye. You've been listening to Creating Space, the podcast, a Taking Up Space production. We pray that you've been encouraged by something that was shared here today. If you'd like to support this podcast, please visit www.wearetakingupspace.com backslash support. And we want to know who's hanging out. Follow us on Instagram at the Creating Space Pod and subscribe to us on your favorite platform. We can't wait to have you back for next week's episode. Until then, take care.